Welcome back to the Common Sense Mental Health Podcast. Uh, I am one of your hosts, Timothy Crumley, and I'm here with my co-host, Emma Cranston. And uh, today we're going to be talking about paneling with insurance companies. Um, it'll, it'll be a juicy one. Um, that said, here's a little bit more about our group first, and then we will dive in. The Common Sense Wellness Group is a group of providers, social workers, mental health counselors, and nurse practitioners uh, serving clients within New York State. Uh, we work primarily through telehealth and have since uh, 2018, uh, but we also do provide uh, in-person services in the capital region of New York. Uh, if you have uh, further uh, questions or you want to uh, explore our services further, uh, you can find us at www.commonsensemh.com or you can reach out to us at intake at commonsensemh.com. All right, let's dive in. So, well, so we're going to talk about insurance stuff. Um, before we do that, though, I think we have um, a quick dis- not disclaimer, but um, just an update update, update uh, regarding uh, uh, how we advertise Black-owned businesses and um, essentially a change that we're going to do moving forward. Um, should I dive in, Emma? And then if you want to add anything... Yeah, sure. Um, so essentially, in some conversations we've had, uh, we came to the realization that um, in advertising black owned businesses, we really should be getting consent from the business first. Um, when we advertise these businesses, we don't never expect anything in return. We don't expect any acknowledgement. We don't. Our, our goal is just to advertise a black owned business and to give more of a platform and connect that business with more customers potentially that said um yeah i think in talking about it we realize you know still regardless of our intent we really need that consent first um it seems performative otherwise it seems performative otherwise and yeah absolutely so that said we're going to begin doing that because this was a conversation that we had um literally before this recording uh we are not going to have a business to advertise today um but we do want to be clear that that is going to continue. We're going to continue to advertise businesses, um, but we need to reach out to businesses that we have on our list that we were planning on uh, advertising in the coming episodes, uh, reach out to them first. And if we get uh, consent, we will advertise them. And if not, then we won't. And um, So really, we're not going to put a timeline on you know when we're going to start highlighting Black businesses again, just because it is not our timeline to decide. It's going to be mm-hmm. completely dependent on these you know, we say black owned businesses, but really it can be like black owned businesses, brands, influential people. Mm-hmm. Like it, it doesn't, it's not necessarily a service to buy. Like I know of some therapy practice. Well, I guess it is still a service to buy regardless. You no, know, like therapy practice. I want to highlight a podcast. I want to highlight. So mm-hmm. other things aside from just, you know, a, a service or a item, um, but we're not going to tie ourselves to a timeline because we're, absolutely not going to badger any of these business owners or, or people. Mm. Um, we will, it will kind of be like a one-time reach out if they choose to respond. Yes or no. Fantastic. If they don't choose to respond, also fantastic. We're not going to, you know, this is not about us. Right. Just, we're really looking for their permission and are happy to not get their permission as well. Mm. Absolutely. Yep. That makes sense. And yeah. And just oops on our part um, mm-hmm. for not, incorporating that earlier or to begin with. Um, but yeah, that, that sounds like a plan. Sounds good. Cool. So that said, uh, yeah, we'll jump into our topic insurance paneling. Um, such a good, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what's, you know, what's more obnoxious paneling with insurance or Oasis. 
Oh, God. If you had to, oh, I got a question. So if you had to be stuck on a desert island with Oasis, uh, which, and for those listening, in case you haven't heard previous episodes or you're not familiar with the New York State, that is um, the agency that oversees substance use programs. And we have talked on the show before, and I've been pretty open and direct about my feelings. Um, if you talk to most providers who have worked under that agency, it's very negative, And then no one talks about it because, you know, uh, I, the Oasis police are going to show up or something. But we've openly talked about just how horrific they've treated programs and just their oversight and just how archaic their processes are. So anyway, so there's some context there. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think I want to fight Oasis more. You'd rather fight Oasis? I was leaning insurance paneling first, like, ah, such an annoying process and like the denials and the lack of communication. Oh, I want to fight them. But now I'm thinking of like the actual humans. I've like my clients, not Mm. the Oasis, my client, my human beings who have had Mm. really horrific experiences because of Oasis. And I will fully put the blame on Oasis mm. and like thinking mm-hmm. of the lives that have been really impacted. Yeah. Not mm-hmm. that insurance doesn't really impact and harm people as well, but mm-hmm. I, I feel like I've worked directly with insurance less than I've worked directly within an Oasis program. And mm. I can see those faces and I know those guys like, right. Yeah. I, mm, oh, I have so much anger with Oasis. Yeah. Yeah. I want to be trapped on the Island with Oasis. Cause I have a few fucking bones to pick. Uh-huh. So that's funny. So you're picking them because you actually want to, you want to confront them. them. You want to fight yes. them. Wow. Oh, good for you. Confined to an Island. Good for you. Cause I was thinking more in terms of like, which would you rather not have to deal with, but no, that's oh. good for you. Yeah. I, if I'm confined on a desert Island, I need a way to keep my time busy. I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Survival? No, I'm fighting. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Well, that's funny. So if that's if that's the the framework, then then it's similar for me too. I, I would rather uh, I'd rather fight Oasis because yeah, because if I had to be stuck, let me put it this way: if you couldn't fight them, right? So if you had to like, and I just had to like hang out with them. If you had to cordially work with one, uh, I guess insurance paneling. <laughs> I mean, it's okay if that's not your answer. I don't. I don't want to. I feel like I'm like no, well, I, no, no. <laughs> you're leaving me. No, I want to have the same answer as I'm about to have. <laughs> No, because I think thus far, I could have a little bit more of a concrete challenge with insurance paneling. I feel Mm. like it's more, not that I wouldn't have concrete examples with Oasis, but Mm. like I have festering anger as well. Whereas with insurance panels, especially because I'm coming off of like the COVID coverage. So it's been so Mm. long of like next to no issues and just like the occasional oops the doodles I forgot to put that modifier on sorry and I'm like great thanks um so like that's exactly how it goes too exactly I'm like oh dang Uh (laughs) so it's really like less of a contentious relationship at this Mm. point with paneling I know I'm jinxing it I know someday this is gonna blow up in my face But, yeah, you absolutely are. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. 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 Next week, I'm going to be like, hey, Tim, um, all of my claims have been denied. I'm I'm going to die. Because <laughs> I'm also going to be dramatic, clearly. Uh, so, yeah, I guess I would go insurance paneling. Okay. Yeah. What about you? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think my bias was showing through what I was trying to lead you to. Um, but yeah, I, no, I, I, it was similar. I, I think I would pick insurance paneling um, despite some awful experiences I've had through that process. Um uh, I don't know, like, because with Oasis, like, you really, I mean, you're at the mercy of insurance companies, too, when you're working with them, so don't get me wrong, but in the position that 
I was in, when I've had to work with them, I, it, it well, and not even for me, but you know, for people who are above me who are dealing with them, it, you, you really are at their mercy. Like it really, like these people can really do whatever they want. And, mm-hmm. um, I've worked in programs where, you know, literally, you know, programs were strung along for years to get funding that was needed. And, you know, clients died in the meantime, you know, um, I, I look at Oasis and I'm like, yeah, there's like blood on your hands kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. Insurance companies, of course, that's the case too. But like, I, you know, I I don't know. I've also, I've had, believe it or not, knock on wood, positive experiences trying to navigate. And again, I'm not excusing the private health insurance system that we have in the United States. I'm not excusing that. I'm not saying that's okay. I'm not saying I'm for it, but well, no, but, and, um, some DBT there. And there's a dichotomy there where I have had experiences where I've, you know, despite having to push and advocate, I got somewhere, mm-hmm. you know, it feels like if there's a chance to get somewhere, I have more of a chance with a private health insurance company than I do with Oasis. Um, right. if that makes sense. Um, it, it absolutely does. Yeah. I, anytime I've been, I think of like some of the Oasis investigations at times, like, you know, when you're getting into oh, your yeah. Groups. Yeah. And that, like, it's so clear walking in, like, we already have our expectation. Uh-huh. Just tell us exactly. Like, I remember fighting. I'm like, no, that's not what happened. Like, uh-huh. Yes. That yes. is incorrect information that's uh-huh. being said to you. Like, uh-huh. Just, yes. Oh, I'm, yeah. I remember I've, I've been, I've been navigating investigations around like discharging clients and I'm like, yeah, well, and I'm, I'm being dramatic here. This didn't actually happen, but uh, it was, it was this theme where it's like, yeah, well, the client, you know, sawed off the arm of another client and, um, shot one of the employees and, uh, then they urinated, you know, in my office and then they, you know, were killing babies. Um, is that enough? Was that justified? Was that justifiable that I discharged them? Do you need more? Was it something else that needed to happen? So like, and I'm being very dramatic, none of that ever yes. happened, but like, yeah, no, I, I, I hear you on that. The investigations that were very much meant to, um, or they are, I'm sure they, they're continuing to happen. Um, yeah, and I'll be, I'll be clear too, there's plenty of abuse that happens in agencies and in this world, which is also what actually makes it even more frustrating because it's like, that's still happening. You're so stringent in a sense and still miss so much. Yeah. Like what, how, what? what is happening here? But yeah, but you're right. It'd be these investigations that were more so to like self-legitimize, right? Like, mm-hmm. oh, we're important. We have a presence here. Um, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So um, interesting. Yeah. That's. I remember, I'm sorry. I'm still so mad about it. I remember one investigator in a case of like client abuse where it was like, mm. you know, this was, there was an inappropriate thing happening. Mm. And to the agency's credit, they were doing it like the the therapy agency's credit, not mm. always credit. Mm. The agency was doing a fantastic job of providing updates of like, oh, you know, like this staff person has posted this update, which is very clearly acknowledging this crime that they are being like, right. Like this person had been. <laughs> They, they, had, they had been fired and then there were, yeah, I know what you're talking about, actually. Yeah. They had been fired and the yeah. agency was being very cooperative of like, yeah, here's what's happening. This here's is what we, I remember yes. the investigator because I was involved in the sense of like my client involved kind of thing. And I remember the investigator saying like, can you tell your superiors to stop providing this information? I was like, um, no. Really? <laughs> yeah. Like, can you, like, we, we got it. And it was like, clearly not because nothing is happening. Like, right. Yeah. We'll continue sending you additional incriminating evidence to protect my clients. Yeah. Wow. Man, I hate that agency. Oh, oh, I, oh, I cannot stand. Oh, 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 
And, yeah, anyway. Um, anyway, insurance paneling. Do you like how we started off with insurance paneling? Also, we hate Oasis. We had to bash Oasis at first, you know. That's, you know. Just got to get it out of our system. Exactly. Enjoy. Exactly. Well, the professional trauma is very clear because when you and I start talking about it, we just launch right into it. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. No, but I, yeah, I remember what you're talking about. Um, yeah, anyway, that's, yeah. It's very, very political. It's very, you know, who, yeah. who knows who. Um mm-hmm. But um, it's always good in a big governing kind of system. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. <laughs> um, so, um, but yeah, as far as insurance goes, uh, yeah, much, would much rather be navigating insurance paneling now, um, being in private practice. Um, mm-hmm. To be clear, too, I mean, my experience, some panels are better than others. And in this show, we will not um, name names. We're not, you know, but, you know, talking about it in general, um, you know, this is, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to acknowledge just how frustrating that is too, right? Like, because I remember being a new private practice clinician mm-hmm. and kind of, you're almost like walled off. You don't understand, or I didn't understand. I, mm-hmm. I did not understand insurance paneling, period. If right. I to be honest, I legitimately thought it was like, oh, <laughs> it's a little funny now. For some reason, I thought it was just like a one time, like I just... I submit for insurance paneling and then like it's a one-time deal for all. I take it. I take insurances now. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's cool and easy breezy, Uh beautiful. Right. Yeah. That is not the case to then learn which insurance panels are the right insurance panels for you to get. Yes. With because all of these insurance companies have an agreement with any of the clinicians that they, or any of the providers, clinician, medical provider, whatever to not disclose their rates and their practices and their reimbursements and things like that. So if you're walking in saying like, okay, I want to try to figure out like what insurance to accept, technically you can't even really get told of that by other people. Mm -hmm. Now, of course in practice, is that how everyone is going to be? No, probably not, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. it's still very disorienting, especially if it's a, somebody who's kind of like, well, I can't really discuss specifics, but if I were starting over, I'd get panels with, you know, A, B, and C company. Okay. Like I can interpret something from that, but is that like, oh, these are the highest reimbursement rates or the ones that are Mm -hmm. most likely to cover or best without a network coverage for like, what, what what is it? What? Yeah. Um, So it's very like, mystifying yeah yeah it's it's proprietary information and you're right i mean we can't disclose any of that or right or even hints to other providers which is better like which panel is yep. better and um that said i'm gonna bitch about that system now so um <laughs> right so like but yeah you're right absolutely it's like it that is the case and i think you know i think about um it's very similar to how employees at a job are are yeah. advised to, and I, I mean, I was raised very much in this culture, the sense of like, yeah, you never discuss your pay with your coworkers, and for a long time that made sense to me, right? For, it was a sense of like, you know, um, yeah, well, a that's not each other's business, but also, um, but that's you know, personal private information, but um, yeah, it's something where there can be weird dynamics that come from it. Well, yeah, there's weird dynamics that come from it, especially if you know there are discrepancies that aren't explainable <laughs> in your pay um, that, yeah, it, it does get awkward, um, you know, and, and basically this idea that it gives co- the company control. Right. Um, and I'm saying this as a business owner who has, I have payroll systems in place. Um, but you know, I, you know, I, yeah, now knowing what I know, I also wouldn't, I wouldn't say to my employees, don't share it. I, 
you know, although a lot of companies still have policies in place, this is very much in line with that, though. It's like from a private health insurance industry level. Um, it's, it's, yeah, it's, you know, basically don't share these rates because yeah, then providers could compare and then providers right. would. So basically then health insurance companies would, would be put in a position of having to be accountable to what they're paying and then would have to pay, you know, or have to, if they want to get providers into their network or keep providers in their network, they would need to compete with other health insurance companies on their reimbursement. Um, mm-hmm. And God forbid they did that. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So essentially insurance company A can reimburse say 50 bucks for your standard 53 minute session where mm. insurance company B reimburses 200 bucks. I'm making up. Yeah. Those don't exist. Like I'm not thinking of anybody. Yeah. Um, and I'm kind of, especially, well, I don't know, maybe there's a company reimbursing 200. I can't be told that. So whatever. Right. Um, right. And, and like, we don't work for them. It, right. Apparently not. Yeah. I'll find them someday. Uh, but you know, if I can't talk about that with anybody, like, I don't know, mm-hmm. oh, insurance company A is really not going to financially benefit me. I may still like, that's not to say that that's the only deciding factor in insurance paneling mm. the ease of the paneling process. Mm-hmm. Like I know personally, I am paneled with one insurance company, mm-hmm. uh, partly because I'm kind of lazy. And cause <laughs> when I was starting the paneling process, I just kind of assumed it was all at once or whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, that totally mm-hmm. contributed. I'm also kind of lazy and it's a, company or like a insurance provider that I mean, I, I clearly get enough clients. So it's like, mm. eh, why panel with more? Yeah. Um, which I'm grateful to because then there's almost that trap. Mm. I get paneled with somebody and maybe then I find out if I am making my deciding factors off of reimbursement rates, find out they're really crap with their reimbursement rates. And it's, I say this tentatively, but you know, quote unquote, not worth my time. Mm. Don't love the, don't love that mentality. Cause I am, very firm with my ethical guidelines and pro bono work. Like I absolutely do that in my practice. So I don't want to, you know, people are worth my time kind of regardless of the pay, but Mm, of course, and I need to value my work kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. Um, But if I find that that insurance company is really not paying in a sustainable fashion for me and my like life balance, and I want to stop accepting that insurance company, Often you are now in a bind getting de-paneled. I hear, I've never done it. Mm. It's such a like horrific process and it can take yes. years. Yes. Right. I think you've had no, not that, necessarily experience, but like you've heard mm-hmm. this as well. Yep. It's, it's, it is as obnoxious if more so than paneling, depending on the insurance panel um, to get out of the contract. Yes. Yes. And I cannot even imagine. Mm-hmm. And of course okay. it's, I, I actually recall talking about this with you, Tim. If I then, panel with the company, but I'm, cause I, there was a time where like I had a client, their insurance changed. This has happened a few times, but a couple of times I've considered, Oh, maybe I should just get panels with their insurance providers. So I can continue working with them. I don't have to create a financial strain if we're going to go self pay. Right. Um, mm. Ultimately that's where I do a lot of my pro bono work now. Cause I'm, I don't necessarily believe in just like, Oh, something changed in your life. Okay. Bye. Right. Uh, I'm much right. happier to like, let's, Let's discuss. Mm-hmm. Um, as long as, of course, it's within reason. My entire case had lost their insurance. Things would need to change. But, um, you know, it's... I, I recall talking with you about, like, maybe I could just accept that one client with insurance. And you were kind of like, um, hey, ethics. You're going to turn people like with their insurance now? And right. it was like, ooh, valid. Right. Valid. So you really, like, balancing the ethics, mm-hmm. the... 
the therapist living needs. Mm. You know, like, so my income does matter. My life balance does matter. There's a reason I don't do, you know, like 50 sessions a week. Mm. That's a lot. I know that those places exist. Mm-hmm. Power to those clinicians. I, that, I don't have that capacity, I don't think. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, you know, like, there are multiple needs that have to be balanced along with client needs. Yeah, absolutely. On a whole rant for a moment. Yeah, yeah. No, I I agree, and it's and it's hard because, you know, if a provider doesn't panel with insurance, mm-hmm. I think that's a reflection of the insurance industry. Like my sense of that is like you know. Yeah, that's it's it's good to be able to take insurance for you know like there's pros and cons to it right, but it's good in the in the ethical sense of like okay, well I'm I'm reaching clients who couldn't afford self pay or can't afford, but I also wouldn't I mean personally I wouldn't hold that against a clinician if they decide not to take insurance okay. because it's like no like it it can it can impact your care and and depending on the context and the panel in a pretty negative way um, mm-hmm. based on what you know is either covered or based on you know. Um, hoops you have to jump through in order to get approval for coverage or in order to, to get paneled to begin with. Um, right. Being stuck in a contract that then if you decide, no, like this isn't healthy or this isn't good for me in my practice or for my clients and you try to navigate out of it, then there's, you know, pushback. It's just like, you know, there's many reasons why someone would choose not to. And mm-hmm. yeah. I, you know, I would totally, I, and I do, I, you know, we have people in our group who that's the case and I totally respect that. Um, and yeah, but at the same time, there's pros and cons. And it's one of those things, too, where, um, you know, if you're trying to fill up your caseload and you're trying to to build your business and work with clients, you have a, you know, a lot easier time if you are paneled because then you have, you know, access to clients who can use their insurance. And yeah, just from the ethical standpoint, it's like, you know, that's great that, you know, OK, you have clients that can see you and not have to pay out of pocket potentially. But here, but this goes to another beef I have. Um, and in general, uh, cost share. Yeah. Which I've described it to people. Um, my viewpoint, this is again, in general, not against any one particular company. Cost share is just an insurance company's way of not doing their job. It's like, I don't know of any other service that like, it's as if like with my car, right? Like, so let's say like I I pay the money I pay for my car. And now granted, I guess if you pay more money for a nicer car, maybe it it operates better or longer than a car you pay less for. I probably depends. There's a contextual factors to that, but I don't want to totally... Uh, pull apart my own. My, my, yeah, I don't want to like pull apart my own analogy here. But my, my point being that if I pay my monthly payment for my car and barring other things that come up with it over time, um, if I went to go drive it, but I could only achieve 80% of my drive, despite me paying for this car and paying the insurance and paying for the gas, um, that'd be a really shitty car. Like I, yeah. I wouldn't buy, I wouldn't buy that, that car. Right. I, I, I may as well do something else to travel or navigate transport in some other way. Um, or, you know, yeah. So anyway, but my point being that most of the services, either you're purchasing the service or you're not. And I've never understood this with health insurance in general, in a general sense. I've never understood why co-pays deductibles exist. I, I never I still don't understand that. Well, I mean, I do it, from a profit standpoint, you know, it it, it basically the insurance company would, would potentially argue, oh, well, we're giving our clients more options because they they'll pay less for a plan that has a higher deductible. But, you know, it's like, well, so a couple of things. So then like, it, th- does that, indi- is that an indicator that your product is too expensive to begin with? Is it, you know, like, what is that indicating that you have to even offer that? Um, and you're still selling that service. And 
Right. And it's not even that you're saying that you're not going to cover certain services. You're saying that for services in general, this deductible applies, which that's what a lot of plans do. Not all of them, but a lot of them do. So you're saying that this this deductible applies now. So like I, I so basically and now this is why a lot of younger, quote unquote, healthier people um, uh, in general don't buy insurance or, or struggle to do so. I've been one of them is because, you know, from a risk benefit standpoint, granted, I'm not saying you should do this. People should buy insurance because things happen. But the reason why people rationalize a way out of doing it um, or they truly just can't afford it. That's yes. that's it right there. Right. That they just can't yes. afford it, even if they truly, truly want it and would do it anyway. Um, but they but they don't because. Yeah. So I'm going to pay four hundred dollars a month for a plan that has a $10,000 deductible. When am I ever going to meet my deductible anyway? Again, unless I'm in some horrific accident, knock on wood. Um, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, so like that's, I just, I, and even the fact that we have to bank on like, Ooh, I get an accident this year. I can, you know, right. Oh, within, oh yeah. my God, I hit my deductible. Got to squeeze in every, I, like, yeah. gosh, I remember growing up as a kid and I had this period of time where I had like my mystery illness, which was very exciting. Mm-hmm. And, Yay, Emma, we hit the deductible on the family plan. I'm sure my parents mm-hmm. loved it. But then I remember the scramble of like, get all the kids in for once the parents can go to the doctor. Right. I the mess going to the doctor all the time anyway. So like, whatever there. Yes. But like, it was like this scramble of like, wow. we're getting close to the deadline. We got to call every day if there's a cancellation and we got to get in, we got to get in. And it's yeah. like, oh my God. Yeah. The strength. Because finally, our plant, like our, our appointments are getting covered to a hundred percent. Wow. Because yeah. we hit that deductible. Yep. Yep. But yeah, but That's you have, horrible. but you have to pay that money first and for a high deductible, eight, $10,000, sometimes it can be more than that. Yeah. Um, you know, so you have to pay that first. You have to meet that. Yeah. And you're right. It's ridiculous that you have to, to meet that. Um, but yeah, even if you do, even if there's a horrific accident, you know, I mean, my dad, who at one point when I was uninsured and he was making a, a totally valid, good point. He was like, yes, you're 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 young and healthy, but you should still get insurance because. But he made the point. He goes, then you're only paying ten thousand dollars versus hundreds of thousands of dollars for the hospital stay. And he's right. He's totally right. But yeah. but that but like that's that's the that's the trade off. And that's what I pay four hundred dollars a month for. And again, four hundred dollars a month is a very, very, very cheap plan. If you want a, I, I, their plans for in the seven hundred dollar range that you're and by the way this is all like on like the you know marketplace and you know yep. this is open information it's not proprietary mm-hmm. um but right. you know plans that are in the 700 range you still have a small deductible right you're, you're paying like 900 a month if you don't want one um mm-hmm. and in and, and a lot of cases i just yeah it's it's remarkable um i I haven't had to look at the marketplace in a while, um, which in itself is a privilege. If anyone heard squeaking, that's totally my foot on my chair. I know it just sounded weird, but I don't know if that got picked up. But I think barely. I heard it a little bit. I think you're okay. Yeah. <laughs> this happens in sessions all the time. I'm like, sorry, that's my, it's my foot. Not like I know it sounds like I'm having some inappropriate gas. It's really my foot. Um, I, I bond with my clients so well. Uh, well that's good. You can explain that to them. Yeah. <laughs> Because I'm just like, oh, this is, that's probably awkward, isn't it? <laughs> anyway, this is why you don't sit crisscross applesauce in a computer desk chair. Um, regardless, I've completely lost my train of thought because now I'm just thinking like, and I get your life together. Um, but I haven't had to go on the marketplace in mm-hmm. a while. Mm-hmm. And I had a client where like our sense of reality was so off. Mm-hmm. You know, like they were kind of talking about like, yeah, like they lost their job or something like that and during COVID. Mm. Uh, 
and we're talking about how like you know I do gotta get insurance like there are some things that I need to have addressed um I'm also unemployed mm. uh, and or maybe this is when they were underemployed they oh, lost okay. their job found a job were underemployed if they wanted to get the insurance you know their take-home check would be like a hundred dollars right yeah yeah or something like something mm-hmm. crazy mm-hmm. um yeah and, you know, they were kind of like, well, I bet, you know, it's just me. It's probably less expensive. And I was like, ah, generally employee sponsored or employer sponsored plans are better, but it can be worth a look. And I just remember the next session, them coming back. Like I am like one young, healthy human being, and it will cost me $700 for the worst plan. Mm. And I was just kind of like, ah, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cause it was, it was underemployed where Medicaid is no longer applicable mm. and it was just kind of like what a gap yeah. what a lovely gap there mm-hmm. it's very disheartening yeah. I think and those high deductible plans I have to pay less out of pocket per month but if I have to cover 100% um, if I go back to my fictitious insurance A and B mm. if I have insurance A fine my session is 50 bucks if I had that insurance too, which I think said was like 200, I'm paying that $200 per session. Mm, yeah. Yeah. And I'm already paying whatever my cost for the deductible plan is on top of the costs of any of my sessions or doctor's appointments or hospitalizations. It's the rate that the insurance would reimburse. Mm. But that's still a lot for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And even if they have the money to pay it, probably taking away from something else that's also a need yeah uh and high deductible plans in itself is already confused i i I know i've kind of explained Mm. high deductible plans to clients quite a few times Mm. Uh, how often do you find yourself having to like explain somebody's insurance to them um uh i mean not recently but i have i have before Mm -hmm. um yeah absolutely well no i i will say when I've had to cover for our intake coordinator, I'm explaining it usually in that context or she's explaining it um, to them. But yeah, as far as my caseload goes, I have not mm-hmm. recently, but I have had those conversations around the marketplace and helping clients navigate mm-hmm. that, um, you know, or just clients in general who, whether however much they do or don't understand some of those caveats, just complaining about the fact that, oh, I'm paying, haven't paid this much money or no, I can't afford it at all. So I'm mm-hmm. not. Um, but I know personally, like I don't, you know, I had insurance up until recently that wouldn't cover my therapy. And, mm-hmm. you know, I paid out of pocket for my therapist. And it was like, this is like literally the one healthcare cost I have right now, you know? Yeah. And again, that, that could change at some point, but it, it's not the case right now. So the one thing I have, it's not going to be covered. Um, and I had a, a, a plan that, you know, they're very adamant. They don't do out of network ever. So yeah, it's one of those things where, and that's the thing, you know, again, it goes back to the contracts, you know, they want you in network, they want you, you know, they want the providers essentially under their control. And then they mm-hmm. want to be able to have these, you know, I'll just be blunt, half-assed products for their, you know, patients right. and for their clients. And then um, they maintain their profits. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, 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 yep, there's a lot, a lot of things wrong with it. Yeah. What are the main barriers you see with insurance paneling? Um. Well, one, some, some panels don't even recognize certain credentials. So they, they basically say, oh yeah, we don't, we're, we don't, you know, we have enough of you basically. Um, and, um, yeah, we've, we've run into that. Um, and, and I know we said we're not highlighting insurances, but I just need to put out this PSA. Yeah. Hey, fellow LMHCs, 
Medicaid and Medicare will not cover any of your services. Right. That's right. That's Just right. need everyone to know because I yes. was a little slow on that uptake as well. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. And LMHCs usually get the shorter end of that stick. Um, yeah, they usually get. Oh, and then that's the other thing. So like, yeah, L- L- LMHCs. Um, also, if you have people who are not licensed, who are under your license, um, we can talk about that for a moment. Generally, those services are, are not covered because usually paneling happens with one individual unless you work for a certain type of agency, which most practices are not. Our, our group isn't. You know, we don't have a group contract. Um so, um, yeah, so your, you know, your MHC LPs and your LMSWs generally have to be self-pay only. Um, now, granted, their clients can submit super bills to try to get out-of-network reimbursement. Um, but, uh, you know, and sometimes that works. Sometimes the insurance company will go ahead and do that. But generally, yeah, they'll, they'll deny claims um, for those so providers. So, for anyone who's listening, what is a super bill? Yeah, so I'll crush it. So a super bill is a detailed receipt, basically, and it has certain pieces of information on it that your provider can give to you if you're paying self-pay. Um, and you have you generally you have a self-pay agreement with the provider. The provider has nothing to do with the insurance whatsoever. They're not paneled with them. They're not, you know, not going to, you know, not going to be paneled anytime soon. That's, you know, out of the picture for them. They give you that super bill. You submit it to insurance as a client, and then the insurance company may or may not reimburse you, which sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. Sometimes they'll reimburse a certain percentage of yeah. of that bill um so yeah so that that's what that is but yeah um generally people who are non-licensed have to do that um, or have yeah. to offer that not they, well, they don't have to offer it but like if they want their client to be able to work with insurance it's the only thing they can offer um yeah, yeah. and it is unfortunate because that is like work on the client like mm-hmm. it, i mm-hmm. as the client now have to hopefully I'm thinking of some of the overworked clinicians of the world where it's like one of those things that it really does not take a lot of time mm. to create a super bill. Yeah. They're super duper easy. I know R-E-H-R has a, it can print that form for you. Yes, that's um, right. So it's super easy, mm-hmm. which I find when it's a super easy thing that can often fall to the bottom of my to-do list because I'm like, oh, it'll just take two seconds. I'll be there later, later, mm-hmm. later. And someday it's been forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't do that with my super bills, by the way, I'm on it, but... <laughs> Like, yeah, yeah, oh, but it's easy. Yeah, dependent on a clinician who hopefully can like just do it in the moment, do it really quickly, or you know, kind of get it too fast. Mm-hmm. But there, we now run the risk of my clinician not getting it to me in a timely fashion, mm. uh, or mm. not being willing to do it in like the time frame that I want. Because really, mm-hmm. super bills can be submitted. Whenever. So maybe yes. as the client, I'm like, oh, I want to do this monthly so I'm not having to keep paying out so much. Hopefully mm-hmm. I can get something back. And I can expect I'll get it back within a certain period of time, maybe. Yeah, like yeah. kind of counteract some of my stuff. Mm-hmm. But if my clinician's kind of like, oh, I just do it, you know, twice a year or yearly or whatever, does that work with my actual finances? Right. Uh, right. And when I take it to my, mm-hmm. my insurance, they're going to take whatever time they take that I don't get any say in. And then they'll reimburse whatever it is that they decide to reimburse. Mm. Is it 0%, 100%, mm. 75, 25? Like, right. it puts a lot of waiting and work mm. on the client. And where do I send it? Right. Oh, right. Now I got to call my insurance and, and find out. Not mm-hmm. hold for 10,000 years and then hopefully find out if I got the right number the first time. Mm-hmm. It, I, and yep. I know I'm kind of dramatizing it. It can go smoothly. And probably there's one fact finding mission where you figure out how to do it. And then you just, you know, kind of smooths out and you can keep doing it. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's a hassle. Yep. And if somebody is just presenting to therapy and they're kind of in, in a rough period, 
here's one more task for you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Enjoy. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Yeah. No, I think that in really good points, Emma. I mean, it, it really, it, it, it does. It puts this all back on the client in that way. And there's a moment of reprieve for the provider because it's like, oh, I don't have to like deal with that. But no, your client is though. <laughs> and like, and that is, that, that is a problematic, that in of itself is a problematic system. Um, you know, and this brings me to another thought too, because you talked about like the time frame for a super bill to get paid, which is right. I mean, an insurance company could, you know, reimburse the client a year later, right? Like there's nothing to say, um, especially when it's out of network. I, a pro to that is that there's no contracts involved. So it's kind of a free for all. But the, the downside to that is that it's a free for all and the insurance company has <laughs> exactly. even more room to, you know, do whatever it wants. Um, but that's even if you're in network, um, claims getting paid. Um, you know, mm-hmm. if an insurance company is, quote unquote, on its game and is working well with you, you're going to get a claim paid within probably a few weeks of having submitted it once you get going and once you've been paneled. Granted, the paneling process takes weeks, if not months, so um, or longer. Um, so it could be that you don't see any reimbursement until that's done. And then once that's done, it takes a few weeks for the payments to, to kick in. Uh, but for some insurance panels that you're in network with and you went through that whole process, um, they then uh, fight to pay you your claims yes. despite you know, you being owed that and, and it's a service that's agreed upon in your contract. And mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, they, well, we, we've had, we had one provider again, I won't say who or what the insurance was, but um, they were owed thousands of dollars for a couple of years um, that built up over a couple of years. And we fought and fought and finally got payment for them. Um, we that's had, actually impressive. Yeah. Well, what happened, we had a biller that, um, and I won't name them either, but we had a biller initially, a third party biller who um, didn't catch this at all. It went out for months and months. Um, mm-hmm. We eventually moved away from working with them, got an in-house biller um, that also didn't work out the first time around. We now have an awesome biller. Um, Didi is fantastic. Um, yeah, she, she's great. But we had another biller prior and didn't work out either. But with her, between her and I, we did catch it. And we're like, wait a minute, like these, um, and I'll explain what this is in a moment. These ERAs were coming in. Um, and basically these payments were going to the wrong place. They were going to this person's previous employer, not to, not to their prior practice with common sense. So we caught that and we're like, Oh, wait a minute, that's not right. So we, you know, followed up, but this was like, you know, fall of 2020 or, or end, end of 2020. Um, and then this person just started getting reimbursement like a month ago. And oh finally, well, no, she got, they, she got reimbursement prior to that, but it was like for like current claims once we fought the issue and finally oh. got them to fix the address issue. And then, but they still owed for, you know, three or four clients for, you know, the last year. So yeah, anyway, they finally caught that up a lot of it anyway, not all of it. Um, I think she still owed some, but a lot less, um, they, they finally caught up, but it took, it took like a year and a half to get to that point. Um, but um, that that's all to say that, yeah, claims are not always the most reliable. Sometimes they are, sometimes they're not. Um, but then, um, yeah, so I think about that brings up another issue. Um, you, you know, so as a private practice provider, um, also, I feel like this episode is more geared towards our providers right now, yes. although yes. probably helpful for clients to know kind of how the behind the scenes works. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the private practice providers, um, you know, you have a choice of you can do billing yourself. You can, um, you know, maybe the group that you work with has a biller, like common sense, like we employ a biller. We have a biller that's, that's in-house. Um, okay, great. yes. Yep. Um, uh, we, at one point though, and then the other option a provider has or a group has, um, is to contract with an outside biller, which has its pros and cons too. Um, mm-hmm. 
Uh, but what can happen with that, and we ran into this, um, and we've essentially kind of sorted it at this point, but we ran into an issue where we had a biller who, um, there were a few different issues, but we parted ways, you know, whatever, tried to end it on good terms. Um, but afterwards, like things would pop up and we realized that things either weren't getting handled, you know, and paying a third party biller a monthly invoice is not cheap for a provider to do that, to have them, you know, it, it can help. It saves you time and, you know, you're you're getting what should be an expert helping you with this stuff. But, um, yeah, we had stuff pop up afterwards. Where it was like, wait, she wasn't doing that or she didn't catch that or like what? And then we had one issue where um, so I'll share the example, but there's a, I'm sure there's other examples like this or other things like this where this can happen, where um, we had. It where the um, basically the biller um, advised us that we could do um, what's called supervised billing, which is essential or, or incident to billing. So some of our providers listening may know what this is or may not. What that is is essentially is if you have someone under your license who's not paneled but under your license, that you can have a claim that reflects your information as a supervisor and. Um, and the claim generally reflects their info too. So you have both providers' info on it. Um, but generally, the insurance company is only processing your section of the claim. And long story short, this uh, person advised us that we could do this. Now, I knew, I, I had a feeling that was that was faulty information. Long story short, I eventually had a conversation with one of our insurance panels directly. And I just, I asked him outright. I said, you know, this was what I was advised. Uh, actually, I had her and a, and a biller that we employed afterwards who we, again, no longer work with, um, actually confirm her information. So two billers told me this, mm-hmm. one of which actually used to work for the insurance company that I consulted. So then I consult with the insurance company and they go, no, you can't do that. And I'm like, I didn't think you could do that. That doesn't, cause like we said earlier in the show, you have to be directly paneled with an insurance company. You can't, yeah. you know, your unlicensed people are kind of out of luck and they need to be self-pay. Mm-hmm. Um, so they confirmed that I go, well, I'm really glad I asked. Okay. So, um, but that said, this person who I paid thousands and thousands of dollars each year, you know, for, I mean, I have it in writing, what she advised me, you know, and, and what she, you know, what she said. So it's like, you know, you have to be very careful because billing can be tricky in general, but even when you're paying for advice, you know, to have advice and have experts around you, you have to, you know, you need to have the right experts, right? You need to have people who actually do know what they're doing or teach yourself, right? Like that is another, and that's kind of what common sense has done. You know, we have a biller now, but I also now know a lot about it myself because of everything we've navigated. Um, and some of our other providers and, and owners do too, but yeah, either you teach yourself and you get, you know, well-versed in how these companies work. The other thing is too, and I advise people to do this as annoying as these health insurance companies are. And as much as we don't agree with their practices, ask them directly, and that's, I mean, I like, I'm so, like in that case, I'm so glad I did that. Cause imagine if I had gone, you know, any stretch of time or, you know, God forbid, like years doing this practice that then later I get audited and you know what I mean? Like, just like, no. you know, and I'm so glad I did that, that I was up front mm-hmm. and asked them, but yeah, like you, you, you know, that worst case ask, ask your panel directly. If your contract isn't clear, sometimes a contract will, will answer it for you and it will specify if you can or can't do that thing. But if that mm-hmm. doesn't, Ask them directly, reach out to one of their reps or, you know, one of their supervisors and, and say, hey, I just want to confirm, can I do this or not? And and follow their lead directly and then document that. And if you possible, get that from them in writing, because sometimes, yeah. you know, they'll change policies and then be like, no, we never did that. Um, that we run into that as well. So, and of course, yeah. Oh, yeah. They would never. Yeah. They would never do that. Um, so, yeah, document that, you know, uh, make sure you cover your bases. But, yeah, um, mm-hmm. it's tricky because. Yeah. Yeah. I, 
I went off on like 18 different rants there, but I hope that that makes sense. It it makes sense. And it kind of like leads into, um, the concept of clawbacks, which Mm. I feel like also just need to be acknowledged. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, it really highlights the power imbalance, Mm. right? Like Mm -hmm. there's kind of the concept that the insurance company can do no wrong. Mm -hmm. If they accidentally don't pay you enough, you got to fight for that money. Mm -hmm. If they accidentally pay you too much, you do not have to consent at all to them clawing it back. They will just reduce it from mm-hmm. your future payments and take it back. You do like mm-hmm. it does not matter yes. that it was their mistake. Yes. Right? Yes. Like, yes. It frustrates the hell out of me. Yes. And granted, I have not had to deal with too too many clawbacks. I've had them. Yes. Because of an inappropriate overpayment after I think the situation was like I had, had somebody lost their insurance. The company paid for an additional month immediately when I saw the first payment. I was like, hey, issue, this shouldn't be getting paid. It was kind of like like the biller contacted the insurance company and they were like, oh, well, says we're paying it. Yeah, yes. Okay, so you guys know it's an issue. You're you're cool with it. You're going to pay it. Great. And then like months later, it was like, oh, my God, we oopsie doodles. Like, I get back. And it was, again, it was just a month. So Mm -hmm. it was four sessions. I kind of anticipate, like, had a whole conversation with my client, like, hey, they're covering us for now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's probably not going to stay. Yes. So, like, you don't have to pay right now, but that bill will show up, unfortunately. Yes. Um, and it sucks, right? Yeah. Like, you guys made this error. Yes. So now you live with it. Yes. But it- they're the ones with the power. They get to decide that, like, nope, we're taking it back. That's right. Uh, it and was, it's particularly frustrating when they will not accept something like, mm-hmm. like those modifiers for, mm-hmm. oh, oopsie, it was telehealth. Um, this one paid out four weeks ago. Let me resubmit it. And it's like, oh, no, can't resubmit it. It's already been paid out. It's been too right. long. So it's been a month, but you're going to, so, you know, like that copay, I don't get reimbursed mm-hmm. for or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but Six months ago, you made this mistake and you can claw it back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Yes. And it, yes. like in those instances, it really just like is what it is. Mm-hmm. I, I highlight it just so that like clinicians coming in mm-hmm. will kind of know like, hey, this is a thing. Maybe I want to keep a little bit of extra money in my business savings account just in case. For mm-hmm. Like if, if there is mm-hmm. a scary kind of clawback and I, I lose out on some income that I was really banking on. Um, but it just, again kind of out of your control. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Well, so I think, I mean, yeah, absolutely. And I think it's one of those things where, because you were talking about that power differential, I think a lot of that, I mean, there's, again, I think a lot of factors that come into play with that, but a big one is, yeah, I mean, these are big conglomerates and they have a team of lawyers, you know, it's like, it's one of those things, like I've had instances, you know, where something happened and I'm like, I'm pretty sure, like, I'm pretty sure I would have a case to like protect myself here with what's happening, but it's, it's never worth it. Cause it's like, I, I don't have the funds to, right. you know, navigate a you know, legal process with this, you know, entity that again, they have a team of lawyers that, you know, yeah, exactly. So you're right. I mean, there, there's just, just, just that there's no recourse for that provider really. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there, there are like entities you can, you know, file complaints to and, you know, consumer protection things, but like generally, you know, there really isn't anything that you can do to, to protect yourself or, or for recourse. And right. And I liked how you described that, that basically these clawbacks, there's no, uh, there's no consent to that. I can't charge a fee to an insurance company for putting me through the labor of having to fix their error. Right. Yep. 
having to, okay, well now that, you know, um, you know, we're having to, or, or, you know, I don't get to charge interest on, <laughs> on that. Right. right? Okay. Um, you know, and so it's, yeah. It's, it's saying like, Hey, I told you about it. That's not fair. And they say, Oh, okay. Right. And then, yep. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. So no, it's, so yeah, this, this is just even just some of what we navigate with, with insurance paneling and, and with this world. Um, you know, I think there are some things I, cause I'm also recognizing as I'm like looking at the time, I'm realizing we're getting towards the end of, of this mm. podcast mm-hmm. and it almost kind of feels like a bit of a bitch sesh. I do also want to acknowledge, I appreciate the ability to be paneled with insurance. Mm. Right? Like, I think that it, takes a lot of pressure off a lot of my clients and it allows a lot more access to care than what I would necessarily be able to reach without it. Um, Sure. Part of that is like, I would love to do some exploration of like how to find pro bono sessions. Cause like Mm. thus far my pro bono sessions often just kind of like fall in. Mm. Sometimes it's, you know, somebody will reach out and I'll just, you know, the fees are too high for self-pay and for whatever, you know, we can negotiate down to something lower. Like Mm. sometimes that happens, but generally it's like a client I've already been working with and there's a shift. Right. Um, Yeah. So yeah. Well, no aside, it's really nice that like, if I think of my caseload, there are plenty of folks that would not be able to afford therapy without insurance. Mm. And like for that, I am truly grateful. Do I think the system is pretty flawed? Absolutely. Yeah. Does it frustrate the hell out of me sometimes? Also, absolutely. Yes. Um, yes. I, I do have a level of appreciation for the way a lot of insurance companies handled COVID mm. and like in like allowing the cost sharing to go away, especially for those folks with the high deductible plans. Like, that's so nice that they don't have to pay that full fee per yeah. session. Yes. Just to have an hour of therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, you know, now COVID is over because the insurance companies. Yes. As of July 1st, COVID ended. Isn't that exciting? <laughs> yes. So exciting. I'm so glad that uh-huh. no one's getting sick anymore. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yes. Great. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But you're right. But for that period of time, it was like, oh, this would make more sense. Do you, you have insurance? You have the coverage. Like I, mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. And it was easy. Yeah. Like from mm-hmm. that provider perspective, it was easy. Mm-hmm. Like I know, oh, I'm having a session with this client from with this insurance provider. I make this money from this client. Yeah. Or from this, from the insurance, but like from this session, I'm making X amount of dollars. And you just knew it yes. as opposed to, you know, that insurance B company where it's 200 bucks per session. Mm. Oh, well, um, but that $200 per session, except, oh, well, client A has this one specific plan. So their copay is $50. But then this other person who has that insurance provider has a different plan. Mm. That's high deductible. So for them, it's $200. But this other person has full coverage. So that's $0 that they have to pay out per session. Like, yes. it creates such a it makes income more variable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Like if I have one session that's fully covered, okay. I get $0 the day of session, but I know I'm getting that full 200 whenever mm. the plane pays out. Mm-hmm. But now this one person, I make $50 that day. Cause that's their copay. But another few weeks, I'll make that last 150. It just, it stretches out your income. Yes. yes. Hopefully it reaches some level of like stability in general, but always having some level of, instability and shift, you know, somebody misses a session. Mm. 
now my income's changed or they cancel because they're on vacation or I'm on vacation or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. But overall, I do appreciate some insurance companies. Absolutely. Yeah, I don't think I appreciate all of them. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. No, I hear, I hear what you're saying. Again, there's a lot of dichotomy there, right? It's mm-hmm. like we can be really frustrated with how the system works and with all the issues that come from the system and come from the health insurance industry. But at the same time, right, the times that a client is able to get access to care and is able yeah. to get that care covered, that is, that's like, great. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, the other piece too, just real quick, and yeah, we do got to end time-wise, but I will add just a further bitch. Um, I will add that... Um, you mentioned with, you know, with cost share, it made me just think, and actually I, I've, I was reading this in an article semi-recently, um, and that a lot of practices do this, well, not a lot, but some practices do this, although they're not supposed to. And I think a lot of people don't even realize what they're doing is, so you, so as a provider, now granted, if you have what's called a hardship agreement in place, so if you have a client that has financial hardship and truly cannot afford their copay or deductible, can a provider just basically just see them anyway and not pass that charge on to them. If they indicate financial hardship, our understanding is that, yes, as long as that's in writing and the client is truly having financial hardship, that's one thing. In general, though, your client has to pay their their copay or deductible. As a provider, you cannot go and say, oh, well, I'm going to give back to the community and my way of doing this is um, my yeah. practice will cover your, your, your um, copays and your deductibles. That is actually insurance fraud. Yep. So I'm going to, I'm going to say it again. If you, if you cover the cost share for your clients, which makes no financial difference to the insurance company, does not impact their bottom line. If you cover that for your clients, that is insurance fraud. And that, that is, that would likely be, again, I can't speak for every insurance panel, but my understanding is in general, that is a breach of contract. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Yes. Yep. No issue there at all. Right? No, I mean, but that's that's an example with that dichotomy where it's like it just gets so ridiculous. It's like exactly. I appreciate the way it benefits some clients, but how harmful is that for the folks where like I I can't do my pro bono work in the way that feels right for me? Right, and, and it, it doesn't impact the bottom. Like you no. said, it doesn't impact the bottom line of the comp- the insurance provider no. at all. It impacts the bottom line of that clinician making the decision. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And in a sense, like it impacts the client and that obviously they're saving money. So like, mm-hmm. yay. Yeah. Um, yep. Or I would say, yay. Of course, I'm not encouraging that providers do that without a financial hardship agreement in place. Cause obviously I'm not looking for, you know, encouraging right. insurance fraud. I'm not, I'm, I'm not saying that folks should do that. Um, but it's, it's ridiculous that it's a huge problem. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Choose to do something that has zero impact on the company. Right. Like on the insurance company. Right. Well, and it's also how people talk about these inequalities being systemic. Mm -hmm. That's one of the examples, right? Like it's policies like that and there's many, many others. And a lot of what we talked about today perpetuates all this, but um, exactly like that, that actually like that's written in, (laughs) Um, you know, like that is, that's one way to ensure that Um, Mm -hmm. a provider can even try to counteract that. Um, yeah, uh, yep. or they could, but it'd be risky to them. And like you said, I would never advise it. And, mm-hmm. you know, because yeah, ultimately that could make it so you can't practice at all or you can't, right. or you can't practice with that panel. And yeah. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of, based on my uh, whole one time paneling with somebody, aren't there screener questions around like, have you ever been accused or convicted of fraud? 
and oh yeah, yeah 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 but like yes. it can really start trickling yes. down to like with time yes no your license needs to be in good standing you can't have any yep. open investigations yep. you know yeah no you have to yep yep mm-hmm. absolutely so it's kind of like okay maybe it impacts that one panel but it's going to start bleeding mm-hmm. into any other panel you decide to pursue or are currently yep if you were convicted of that yep absolutely yeah. or right or if you're currently under investigation yep absolutely mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yep what a yeah. system. Mm-hmm. What yes. a system. That, I mean, that is just some of what we know. Um, we I'm sure there's so much more that I have no concept of. Coming from mm-hmm. the woman who thought that, you know, it was like a universal mm-hmm. <laughs> application to all insurance panels. So clearly I am not an expert here. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more like my trial and error has taught me some things looking at you, Medicaid and Medicare that don't mm. cover for clinicians. Yeah. I mean, the LMHCs, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's awful too, because then you have, well, anyway, that's a whole other issue, but yeah, some of these panels that we like, oh yeah, no, we don't work with that, you know, this yeah. credential yeah. Or, or, or we don't, you know, we don't, we're saturated. We haven't, you know, and it's like, no, you cover like two providers in the area, like in like the County. Um, and we're saturated. And they're both sure. full, but no, yeah, no, but no. you're saturated. You, you don't want to, you know, yeah, it's again, it's all gatekeeping. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a gatekeeping process. It's awful. Yeah. Yeah. But no, we do got to end time wise. We could we go do. on about this, but I hope that that's helpful to some of our listeners and, and mm-hmm. providers and clients. Um, I think there was actually some good information for clients in there. I hope so. Walking into this, we were both kind of like, ah, oh, this will be more provider focused. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe be some helpful stuff. Absolutely. Absolutely. This said, um, we'll follow up on our next topic next time in a couple weeks. Or will. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. And hopefully, again, no Black-owned business highlight this week or this uh, session. Nope. This, what is this thing called? This episode. This episode. Um, <laughs> Trying to do it every two weeks, roughly. Yeah. Yes. Um, but hopefully there will be something in the near future. But again, it will be dependent on the business owners. Yep. Makes sense. Makes sense. Emma, thank you for your time today. Thank you for your time. This was fun. I love bitching with you. Me too. No, I, I, <laughs> I, I enjoy these. I, yeah, I feel very like a, there's like a cathartic release afterwards. Totally. I'm always <laughs> happy after we finish up an episode. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, that sounds good. See you soon. We'll follow up. Bye. Bye. Bye.